Hey everybody, happy holidays and welcome back to Disney Inside Out. I'm your host Ryan, and this holiday season, why not bring some Disney magic into your gift giving? This week we are talking to Sean Fletcher, aka Fletch from the Op Games, and senior game designer of Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances. This tabletop board game is a battle arena adventure with some of your favorite characters and villains. It is also expandable with two current expansion packs available, Thrills and Chills and Turning the Tide. Fletch talks to us about the game, what it's like to design for the Disney brand, and explains why any Disney fan will love this game, even if they're not a gamer. Take a listen. Hey Fletch, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you so much for joining. I'm I'm excited to have you because this is really a first for the podcast in terms of like gaming we haven't had a, a gaming discussion or, or games on here so i'm excited to learn more about the um, disney sorcerers arena epic alliances so if you could tell us a little bit about the op and what your role is there so i am a senior game designer at the op and uh we we make games we make other stuff too we make jigsaw puzzles and we make gaming gaming accessories uh but for the most part we're known for our board games um, and those are, you know, party games and family games and uh, some some more, you know, modern classic games with licensed uh, twists put on them. Uh, but I work in the hobby games division and hobby games uh, are generally more focused on strategy uh, and, and being sort of a, a deeper, more focused experience uh, in, in terms of, of what you're going to get from the game. Is that something you grew up loving, like the strategy games? Did you have a favorite game growing up? Or? I uh, when I was when I was about seven or eight, my grandparents decided I was going to learn checkers by <sighs> failing at it a lot. Right. Uh, so they they beat me at checkers over and over and over until I could learn how to beat them. Um, they they basically threw me into the the board gaming pool and said, "Learn to swim." Um, yeah. And then from there, uh, I, I picked up other games in junior high and high school, uh, got into Dungeons and Dragons for a stretch. Uh, when Magic the Gathering debuted in uh, 1993, I was there, you know, playing right from the start. Um, so I've been I've been a really avid board gamer and board game collector for most of my life. I'm 45 now, so if I started at eight, that's what, 37 years there that I've been, I've been a board gamer. Uh, and the last 10 or so I've been designing them professionally. So that's sort of the, the dream job for me that for a long time, I didn't know was actually a thing I could do. It was just a a thing I did as a hobby. Uh, but eventually the opportunity was there and I, I took the jump from my original profession in, in graphic and graphic design and art direction uh, over to game design, and I have never looked back. Is there a sort of treasured game you have in your collection that you have so many? Is there one that you're like, this is my absolute favorite? My my Grail game. Um, I have my my original copy of Hero Quest. It's sitting about four feet away from me, and I know this isn't a video podcast, but I would gladly show it to you anyway. Uh, because it's it's it is absolutely a prized possession. Uh, it's the same set that I had when I was thirteen or fourteen years old, and some parts are held together with tape, and others are in pretty pristine condition. 
And uh, it's exciting to, to have that as part of the collection. You mentioned transitioning from graphic design into sort of game design. What is sort of the path in becoming a game designer, if anyone listening wants to do that? You know, it's funny. Um, there are a couple of professions that that seem to come up a lot uh, in, in people's resumes where they say, oh, I'm a game, a game designer, but I started out as a blank. And graphic design, surprisingly enough, is is there for a lot of us. Um, Kemi Mandel, whom I work with at the Op, she's another one of the game designers and developers. She started at the Op as a, a graphic designer years and years and years ago. Um, and the more she worked with designing games, des- doing the visual design for games, the more she realized she really had it in her heart to create and, and explore that creative space uh, in in game design. You see a lot of other uh, sort of mathy um, mm. careers that that go into it: engineering and computer design, computer engineering, and um, IT these days feeds into it quite a bit. Um, but there's there's not really. Well, I can't say there's not really because there have been programs uh, at a collegiate level in the last few years, specifically for people to learn how to be game designers. Uh, I know uh, I lived in Seattle for years and a, a friend of mine teaches at the University of Washington uh, okay. a certificate program in how to become a game designer. So it's it's becoming, I wouldn't call it mainstream yet, but more and more colleges are looking at it and going, you know what, people are interested in this. Let's Let's give them the training to do it. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite game that you have worked on or you've designed? My favorite, um, well, I guess there's two directions there. One, I got to work on Magic the Gathering uh, mm-hmm. back in 2006. So, and, and it's crazy. It's been so long that it's in the first half of the game's history now. There's There's been, you know, 15 more years of Magic since I worked on it. Yeah. Um, so I got to work on that, met some amazing, amazing game designers. It was one of those experience of a lifetime sort of opportunities. Um, and then after that, since then, Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances really is the the game I'm most proud of. Um, I think it's it's the best design work I've I've done in my career, uh, and it's a ton of fun to play. So I will sit down and play a game of of Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances just about any opportunity I get. Yes, um, it's very it's a very fun game. Were you a Disney fan before this? Like, do you have experience with Disney? A personal history with it? I would say my Disney fandom really exploded in 2004. Uh, when okay. we got married, my wife said, we're going to Disney World for our honeymoon. And I said, "Yes." well, you know, I, I was there when I was like eight. So, mm-hmm. okay, this will be different. Uh, and and by the time that trip was over, I was like, I'm all in. Yes. I need more of this. I got to do this again. Uh, so it was, it was kind of transformative for me. Uh, I've always loved the movies. But getting that extra layer of of being a, a massive fan of the parks just kind of turned that corner and, and, and blew it up, you know, at an exponential level. Do you have a favorite park? It used to be Magic Kingdom. Okay. Uh, but we've been living in Southern California for four and a half years now. So mm-hmm. I think just the... the accessibility of the the two Disney parks here in Southern California uh, really kind of makes them favorites. They're kind of a second home. The weekend house is, you know, the castle at Disneyland. 
Oh, nice. I wish. Yeah. What about a favorite? <laughs> do you have a favorite ride? Expedition Everest. Ah, so good, right? Love that one. And that's one where for years and years and years, I was terrified of roller coasters. And then on the honeymoon, my wife got me to ride Thunder Mountain again. Um, And and that led to me riding Space Mountain and riding Splash Mountain. And then I looked at Everest and I went, oh, man, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. And then within the hour, I'd ridden it three more times. Right. So, so yeah, just get off the ride, jump back into the line, go right uh-huh. right through the queue again, right onto the roller coaster and keep doing it all day. I was going to recommend you might love Guardians of the Galaxy in Epcot. It's new. I'm it's a little so, intense, yeah. but I think you might like it because it's also addicting. Well, we were there the week before it opened and okay. we were crossing our fingers that they would open it early and yeah. it didn't happen. And we were so disappointed especially when we found out that they had actually run a couple of like closed door queues right and brought people through while we were there and and we didn't know about it so we weren't in line for it yeah um but yeah i've i've got a trip to orlando coming up uh later in 2023 and i may be trying to to book myself an extra day to go to epcot just for the guardians ride do it and then i'll tell you what you can do is, I don't know if you're familiar with the Genie Plus and all that, but the individual lightning lane, you should purchase one of those, and then you should also join the virtual queue, so oh, that yeah. way you can ride it and then go right back Jump on and back ride on. it again, yep. because yep. I guarantee you'll that. want to. We've yeah. done that for, uh, we did that for um, Rise of the Resistance when we were there yes. earlier this year. That is an amazing ride, one of my favorites That's a fantastic too. ride. Yes, yeah, such a great Star Wars experience. So we were talking about, uh, we mentioned Disney Sorcerer's Arena, Epic Alliances, which you designed. Can you give us sort of a a brief overview of what the game is, just sort of a general sense of how it's played and what it is? Sure. So uh, the the 10,000 foot view is that this is a battle arena game, which means you get to put a couple of characters in the, the, the field of play and then just knock each other around until you've scored a bunch of points. Um, and in this case, because those characters are Disney and Pixar characters, you're able to see the personalities of those characters as they play the game. Uh, so a character like Sully, who's a mm-hmm. protector in his movie, he's he's really a nurturing protector of, of his friends and, and of Boo and Mike in the films. Uh, he comes into the arena and protects his allies no matter who they are. And he says, hey, come focus on me. Leave the little guys alone. I'm the one you want to deal with here. Uh, and Mickey gets to go in there with his magic brooms and build up uh, you know, a stack of magic brooms that are going to do the attacking for him. Uh, we went with some deep cuts like Demona from Gargoyles. Yeah. And you know, she goes in there and her, her story in the cartoon series was that she was just this rage-filled, reckless source of damage she was going to wreck anyone she went head to head with and in our game we were able to to kind of create that recklessness and that that damage dynamo uh in in demona uh that you can put in the arena and and let her loose and see what she does and it's a lot of fun uh to just kind of experience those characters through the mechanics of a board game i was so excited to see demona from gargoyles i was like yes represent 90s disney cartoons i even was thinking i would love to see like darkwing duck in this board game you know 
bring them, bring, bring more in. Oh yeah. So when you're, when you're designing the game and these characters, how does it like, how are you coming up with what the, the powers are, the things, did you have to go back and watch the movies and figure out like, okay, these are the strengths of these characters. How do you come up with that? A little bit. Um, And there's, there's a little bit of a a roadmap laid out for us because it's based on uh, the mobile game, Disney Sorcerer's Arena. Mm -hmm. All of these characters have existed uh, in that mobile game. So I can always look back at that as sort of a starting sp- a starting point. Um, Sully's a protector. How did they do this in the video game? How can I adapt that to the tabletop game? Mickey is primarily an attacker in the mobile game. How can I adapt that to the tabletop uh, version? So there's always that starting point there for us. But then beyond that, it really is about knowing what the core mechanics of this game are and using those to re-illustrate what we know of of the characters uh stories and personalities so i do go back to the movies and i do go back to the tv shows um, and kind of explore oh boy wouldn't it be fun if for example the horned king in the second expansion Mm -hmm. right away i knew no no questions asked he had to be able to summon the cauldron born because that's that's his thing that's what made him so scary and, and compelling in the movie was that here is this guy that raises an army out of a yeah. cauldron. Um, and if if I'm going to put him in the, the arena to play this game, I want to be able to do that. That's the yeah. thing I want to do with him. Um, Davy Jones, you know, what, what does he yeah. do? Well, he curses everyone. Why? Because that's what he does in the movie. He goes around and collects these people and curses them and binds them to his, his ship uh, through that, that black spot. And we made sure to include that in the board game. Yeah, that was one of the things I loved about it, too, was just I think it was done really well in that you do have these characters and it's like the first thing you think about, that's their the the power they have. They can summon because some of them are so iconic, like you mentioned, the Horn King with the cauldron. It's like we associate those two things. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that they are so well represented. Can and I turn you, it back you, to you real quick? Who's your favorite character sure. so far? Oh my gosh. Well, Little Mermaid's always been my favorite, so I'm okay. always a diehard Ariel. Always. She's she's a fantastic character in that core game. She does so many yeah. things to improve the way a team plays. I love her and I love the representation that she gets in it. Um yeah, I, I just I love all the characters, but really that's always gonna be my favorite because nostalgia. Um you mentioned that it was an app and this wasn't this is an app, and so it translated to a board game. What were the challenges of translating an existing app into a board game, and why? what made you think, hey, this would be a great board game? Because so much is digital now. It's, right. you know, I'm curious what you're like, what you saw in it that you're like, this would be great to play like on a table. Yeah, well, there's there's actually a step before that uh, to the story where we had made at the op, we had made a lot of Disney licensed board games uh, prior mm-hmm. to this one. And so when the mobile team started putting together the, the mobile game, they actually came to us and said, hey, we've got this project we're working on. We think it would be a really cool tabletop experience, but we're not tabletop game designers. What can you do to work with us to make this happen? Uh, and my boss looked at me and said, well, Fletch, um, you know games and you love Disney. I think this might be your project. Yeah. And I said, yes, please. Thank you. 
so it was really cool to, to sit down and play the mobile game for a few weeks and figure out what made it so sticky that, that, that like I, I had to keep coming back and playing it more. What is it about that, that, that really makes me enjoy this experience? Um, and from there, it was kind of a matter of deconstructing. A lot of game design is deconstruction of looking mm. at existing things, finding those, those, you know, little things that make it so enjoyable and then bringing them back together in new ways. So for the, the mobile game to tabletop transition, I looked at what does the mobile game do that the tabletop game couldn't? And what could a tabletop game do that the mobile game couldn't? Okay. Um, the mobile game has a lot of automated effects and, and, and whatnot and, and has memory, basically, where if something happens here, it can affect things happening multiple turns down the line. Um, but it doesn't have movement. And a tabletop game has that nice big three-dimensional presence on the table. So I built in a movement structure for the game and, and, and mechanics that let you do that. Um, we adapted the... Uh, the status effects from the mobile game into mm. a system that, that could slowly fade over time in the, in the, the tabletop edition. Um, so if you've played the mobile game and then you play the tabletop game, you're going to find a lot of things that feel very familiar and loyal to that mobile game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to scratch a lot of the itches that, that, that first experience with mobile uh, did for you but it's going to present it in a whole new way so that you're getting a totally different experience. And, I, and hopefully you'll enjoy both of them. Mm -hmm. I feel like the gameplay is longer on tabletop. Like the app is meant for a much, I haven't yeah, played you, the app, but it's a quicker experience. I'm assuming. The app is meant for like, you know, bite-sized gaming. You want an experience that's going to last you, you know, three to five minutes. Each of those battles in the in the the mobile game are about three to five minutes. If you want a more substantial game where I'm sitting down with my friend to play a board game, for the time it takes to set up a game and tear down a game, I want to have a half hour to forty five minute experience playing this deep strategic game. Think about you know you sit down to play a chess game. If it's over in five yeah. minutes, that's not very satisfying. Even if you're the person that won in five minutes, it's like okay five minutes, maybe we reset and play again. Um, so the, the tabletop experience is uh, 30 to 45 minutes. Um, it can go a lot faster if you've got a ton of experience with the game. Uh, yeah. I've seen play testers burn through three games in an hour wow. uh, just because they know the ins, the, the ins and yeah. outs of the game so well. What goes into if... So there we, you know, there's a, there's expansion packs when the game is expanding like this and more characters want to be brought in. Is that something that as a designer you can present to, I guess it would be a partner with Disney being like, these are the characters I want to add. Do they have to approve it? Is it what sort of the process in expanding a game you, like this? You kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, we've okay. got this roster of characters from the mobile game that we have access to. And there's like 180 something characters in that mobile game right now. So, you know, it's, it's not quite endless, but it's, it's a very deep pool uh, that we can pull from. And I'll come up with a list of characters that I think are going to be really compelling and engaging uh, strategically uh, but also, you know, for for who those characters are. Uh, and then we present that to Disney. And we've been really, really lucky so far in that just about every character we've we've proposed 
the the team at Disney has looked at it and said, you know what? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's let's put those characters together. Uh, and it's it's usually a combination of me being excited about a character for the character, yeah. but also looking at what does the game need right now? Oh, the game needs another attacker who can move really quickly, or the game needs somebody who's you know big and brawny. Uh, yeah. and, and is a little slower to take down in the arena. Who from the roster of characters in the mobile game fits that bill? And, you know, there's a there's a, a, a bit of math to it, but it's also just sort of a patchwork of let's take this character, and if we take this character, we'll need somebody who else who does this thing and someone who does that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put this all together, and that's how we uh, we come up with with our, our sets. And if there's a, a narrative theme that works, uh, that's, you know, that's the, the cherry on top because it, it kind of pulls everything together. Our first expansion was all, all three oceanic themed characters. Our second yeah. expansion thrills and chills was yeah. characters that are a little more, uh, spine tingling in their Sinister. nature. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, so for Disney fans who maybe aren't, in the gaming world, what, why do you think, what would you say to Disney fans who are like, Oh, I've never played a, you know, this kind of role-playing game or tabletop. What would you say to sort of entice Disney fans into being like, this is why you'll love this game. We built this game just for them. Uh, every bit as much as we built this game for, uh, heavy duty, long time gamers that, that want that, that deep, uh, strategic gameplay. We knew that we were going to get Disney fans that didn't have a lot of experience in gaming. So when I wrote the rule book, I broke it into four chapters. And that first chapter is the very basics. Here's how a turn works. Here's what these cards in your hands do. Start you out. We're going to work. We're only going to let you use Mickey and Aladdin versus Ariel and Gaston. And we're going to keep it very much on the rails. Go ahead, play the game with these basic rules, explore it, have fun. And when you're ready for chapter two, We'll add some more things in. We'll give you the rest of the characters that you can pick from, and we'll make it a three-character team, and we'll add some strategic elements that you can you can play with as you go through the game. Chapter three, we add all of the components of the game, and then chapter four, we add an upgrading system so that as your characters go through the game, they can sort of grow, and, and new abilities and strategies will emerge from those characters as you play the game. So it, it really is a great... Uh, kind of training wheels, learning to ride a Mm -hmm. bike experience uh, for new players that just aren't used to that kind of gaming experience yet. Cool. That's great. What do you think the future of board games is? Since we have so many digital options now on the phone, what do you think? Because clearly they're still out there. People still buy them. So what is it about board games do you think that will last like what do you think the future of of board games is oh it's all about community it's all about finding that group of friends um that that enjoy that experience of sitting around a table together and you know we we joke that we we make people sit around a table and stare at pieces of cardboard um there's a there's a community aspect of that too that is really really important for the board gaming community um as far as like, how does the, the, the video game or digital gaming uh, piece fit into that? I think uh, they, they blend together really well. And I think the, the experience of, of the pandemic for the last two years is proof of that, where a lot of board gamers migrated to platforms online where they could meet with other board gamers 
Uh, there are simulators like Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia that just replicate the experience of having a, a kitchen table uh, that you can mm -hmm. sit around and play board games at. And those got huge. You look at Dungeons and Dragons and it, it had basically a renaissance over the last two or three years because people took to going into Zoom and Google Meet meetings and just playing their role-playing games that way. Um, so I think the the future of board gaming, there's knock on wood, it, you know, it'd be great for me if, if this, uh, as a game designer, <laughs> goes on forever. Um, right. And I do think that, that the digital space is one that's really going to support and reinforce uh, the, the communities that, that people create around their hobby. I like that. And honestly, I don't think there's any better community for that type of thing than Disney fans because Disney fans are very community based. So oh, yeah. I think that's wonderful. So I think this is a great gift for the holidays. I think it's exciting. You could give this gift. You could partner if you're gifting for a child and someone else doesn't know, everybody could give them a different expansion pack. I think it's such a great holiday idea. So speaking of the holidays, I just want to know, are you going to go to Disneyland? That week between Christmas and New Year's is exciting, but it's also packed. You get a lot of people there. And and being that you know we are local, relatively local to the parks now, uh, we have the luxury of being able to walk into a park and go, it's just too crowded today. Let's try this again next weekend. Venturing up there, we were there last weekend to see the Christmas parade, and that was fantastic. Do you have a favorite holiday-themed snack at Disneyland or just a snack in general that you always get? My wife has been almost hoarding the gingerbread cookies, the Mickey shaped gingerbread cookies. I knew that was going to be the uh, answer. Every, every time we've been up there for the last couple of weeks, uh, it's been like, okay, go into the shop where you can get them and buy five of them because that's the limit. And then we bring them home and freeze them. I want to thank you for coming on and telling us about uh, the game. It, it's Everybody's going to get this for the holidays, I know, because it's great for the Disney community. I'm so excited for everyone to to hear about this and then go out and play it. It's a great game. I mean, I'm I'm biased but it's a really fun game. Thank you, Fletch, for your time, and I hope you have a great holiday season. Thank you for hosting, and uh, yeah, I hope your holidays are great too. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can find Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances as well as the two expansion packs anywhere games are sold. For more information and more Disney-themed games, follow The Op on Instagram at The Op Games. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Disney Inside Out Podcast. I hope you have a magical holiday season and thank you so much for listening to us this year. See you real soon.